Then I found out it wasn't 15 million, it was at least 20 million, it might be 30 million. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you once again for joining us for the toxic stew of information overload that is the <laughs> Bradcast. Always delighted to have you here. That's hopefully not an overstatement, Des. I hope so, too. We'll find out. Because, uh, in fact, you know, it <clears throat> it was a, a grim show yesterday, Desi Doyen. I know. I know you know. the uh, We're all still crying about it, frankly. The hearing uh, at the corrupted U.S. Supreme Court in the Dobbs case that is likely to end up overturning Roe v. Wade's 50-year precedent of liberty for women to have reproductive freedom control over their own bodies and then uh, more dark news on the plan underway right now right now for Republicans to steal the 2024 presidential election right under our noses in plain sight for those who care to notice so with that rather dark show yesterday Hey, if you missed it, you can download it at bradblog.com. If if for only me, but hopefully you as well, I thought it might be nice today to sort of lighten things up a little bit. Sure, I'm all for that. If possible. To that end, now this this doesn't sound like the beginning of a terrifying post-apocalyptic science fiction action horror thriller movie at all. Headline. Scientists say Xenobots, world's first living robots, can reproduce. Not alarming at all. Scientists who created Xenobots, the first the world's first living robots, say the life forms are, quote, the first ever self-replicating living robots. 
Are we insane? What could possibly go wrong? Yes, yes, we are insane. The tiny organisms were originally unveiled in 2020. I guess I must have been distracted at the time for some reason. But really, it can't be that bad, right? The robots were assembled from heart and skin stem cells belonging to the African clawed frog. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) They can move independently for about a week before running out of energy. They are self-healing. What? And they break down naturally. Okay. So at least they're biodegradable. This uh, must be the product of some crazy scientists, no (laughs) doubt, in some backwater uh, former Eastern Bloc country or something. I'll I'll continue here. The scientists from the University of Vermont, (laughs) Tufts University, and Harvard University's Weiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering, oh boy, published research on Monday saying they discovered a new type of biological reproduction different from any other known plant or animal species, according to a press release published by Harvard. People have thought for quite a long time that we've worked out all the ways that life can reproduce or replicate, but this is something that's never been observed before, said Doug Blackiston. Ph.D., a senior scientist at Tufts University and the Weiss Institute, who worked on the study. I mean, is this the beginning of the new Spider-Man movie or something? The or maybe Jurassic Park, only in reverse, <sighs> kind of backward small version? I'm thinking Spider-Man versus the robot frogs. Mm. <laughs> the robot frogs. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, the scientists say the new research could be beneficial in terms of uses in the medical field, because I'm sure that nothing but very good things will come out of these tiny self-replicating robots made from African clawed frogs. Uh, Michael Levin, Ph.D., a co-leader of the research, noted if we knew how to tell collections of cells to do what we wanted them to do, ultimately, that's regenerative medicine. That's the solution to traumatic injury, birth defects, cancer and age aging. Feel better yet? All of these different problems, he said, are here because we don't know how to predict and control what groups of cells are going to are going to build. Xenobots are a new platform for teaching us. Yes, let's learn from the tiny self-reproducing robot frogs what could possibly go wrong. And no, for the record, this is not from The Onion. This is from The Hill, an actual reputable-ish media outlet and yes the uh, press release from harvard is also real so listen anything else we cover today is going to be much less troubling than that (laughs) i hope yeah all my uh, all my peeps in the sci-fi fiction world yeah they know what's coming (sighs) yeah uh to that end and i don't know if if i don't know if you watch rachel maddow or not but of late she's been uh covering this sort of implosion of a bunch of far-right pro-trump phony 2020 so-called stop the steal superstars like Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn and that crazy Georgia lawyer L. Lynn Wood, who are now seemingly all now turning on each other. And yes, as Maddow has suggested, it is delicious. It is fun to watch and worth grabbing your popcorn for. 
Wood uh, has been releasing tape recordings of phone conversations that he has had with some of these people, with Michael Flynn, for example, in which Flynn, a supposedly huge QAnon supporter, just like Wood, by the way, uh, is on tape describing the entire QAnon theory as, quote, a disinformation campaign that the CIA created... Uh, adding, quote, I find it total nonsense and I think it's disinformation. It's a disinformation campaign created by the left, said Michael Flynn in this uh, supposed phone call with L. Lynn Wood. So Mike Flynn, Donald Trump's former national security advisor, who twice pleaded guilty to felonies, including lying about his secret conversations with Russians during the 2016 transition and of secretly working for a foreign country while serving as NSA. Uh, he, he now has a conspiracy, apparently, about a conspiracy theory, which is fun on its own, but Wood released it to essentially to turn on Mike Flynn to show fellow QAnon conspiracists uh, that Mike Flynn actually, despite claiming to be a big QAnon supporter, supporter actually believes that they are all suckers and dupes, which, of course, they are, but only because Flynn and Wood and the rest are all playing them as suckers and dupes. Wood has now also seemingly turned on super-duper stop-the-steal attorney and fellow grifter, Sidney Powell, claiming that she added uh, his name to her Kraken lawsuit up in Michigan without his permission, one of which has resulted uh, in in uh, a huge sanctions by a federal court judge against both of them. On Friday, L. Lynn Wood, uh, this attorney out of Georgia, sent out this note to his Telegram page, quote, after doing the research and connecting the dots, I have reached the conclusion that the Stop the Steal organization is a deep state organization to raise money for purposes other than to fix 2020. Watch out for anyone affiliated with Stop the Steal. Every lie, he said, will be revealed. That's what Wood posted on Friday, not just turning apparently against Sidney Steele, but against the entire Stop the Steal movement. This is all going very well for them. But now it goes even deeper, and now it drags the huge fundraiser for the phony Arizona audit and more. The former Overstock.com CEO, Patrick Byrne, he's now dragged into this implosion with Lynn Wood posting a lengthy phone call between the two of them, between him and Patrick Byrne, accusing Sidney Powell of pocketing up to $70 million dollars. That she supposedly raised, supposedly for her legal defense fund called Defending the Republic, or DTR, which was supposed to be to file lawsuits to try to, you know, steal the 2020 election. But it, uh, actually, as they seem to be discussing it here, goes into her pocket. Oh, and also that Sidney P uh, Powell had apparently gotten drunk and fallen in love with Patrick Byrne. Here's a little bit of that conversation. We say, well, we're going to have to go back and get all that money and get it. And I said, well, we're going to have to, you know, we got to account for every penny of that. I don't care where it came in, but of course, we've got to scrape all that together and pull it together and account that all the dollars that came in were going to poor Sydney. And that's what she said no to. And then I got a CFO. And after 10 days, the CFO and I went and explained it to her. And she said no. 
and I started, I thought that she was just innocent and didn't understand. But then I found out it wasn't 15 million, it was at least 20 million, it might be 30 million. Good. And that's well, when I that money, realized. Where did, you, where did she tell you that money was coming from? We know that since she went on the rush or something, and talked about, def my understanding is that this all started on defense, on Rush, and she said, I'm on this thing called defending the Republic. <laughs> and people started sending her, like, postcards with a dollar tape to it, and, or a quarter tape to it, and, and letters and everything, $5, $10, checks. She, she <laughs> if somebody sent me $30 million collectively, I'd want to make damn sure I knew exactly <laughs> where it came from. Well, she just, as far as we can tell, and then she had a bank account set up for DTR, and 15 million ended up in that. But it, but some unknown numbers. I heard numbers as high as 70 million. I heard numbers. I don't understand. So the people, if the feds are investigating, said, "Look, it was all I could do not to drop a dime on her. I thought it was the right thing to do, but I did, I did make it known in the right places." I sure walked out the door. Within a week of leaving, more facts had come in that made me think, holy shit, Sydney's just running this as a scam. She's raising this money. It's secretly it's for profit. And there's nothing. And she gave herself stock options. Have you ever heard somebody do one of these things and give themselves stock options? So I, went, I walked out the door. I won't have anything to do with it. And to be honest, Lynn, you're the first person other than Mike and Joe that I've talked to this way because... She also twice got drunk and, and really very directly tried to get me to bed in front of other people. <laughs> and she got really hurt and she wrote me love letters and this kind of nonsense. And then when it all snapped and we walked out the door, she became super vindictive. And all she's done is go around for six months and, and raise and make up stuff about me and Flint. <laughs> Might want to have that cough checked out, Patrick Byrne. <laughs> anyway, that was Patrick Byrne, the billionaire f former CEO of Overstock.com, now a huge Stop the Steal clown, speaking with other huge Stop the Steal clown, L. Lynn Wood, who has apparently turned on the Stop the Steal movement and, I guess, on Patrick Byrne because he released that uh, phone call. It's about 30 minutes. It goes on like that uh, with Byrne. You heard him saying, it's all I could do to not drop the dime on Sidney Powell. Sounds like someone's going to be getting a call from the Fed soon. Yeah. Wood tells Byrne at one point on the phone call, I'm not sure where all this money is going, but I think somebody owes to the American people, uh, to the American public, a full accounting. Now, remember, L. Lynn Wood, uh, who who I guess released the, this call, uh, he may actually be certifiably nuts. His his former colleagues charge that he believes that he is God. And yet he almost comes off as the reasonable one in some of these conversations. Mind you, Ellen Wood, he's the one that Kyle Rittenhouse, remember him, the kid that just got off the hook for murdering two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's accused, uh, accusing Ellen Wood of stealing $2 million from him that was supposed to be used for bond money to get him out of jail while awaiting trial because Wood was apparently, at least at some point, his attorney. But Rittenhouse says that Wood kept that money for himself. But that's a separate part of this implosion. As Rolling Stone reports, at one point during the call between Byrne and Powell, Byrne said that uh, in March, uh, Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn invited him to move to Florida 
to help overturn the election. Byrne apparently only lasted 11 days down there with Powell until he and Flynn and others walked out on her in March, he said. Uh, Byrne added, quote, I have texts. Some of it has to do with Sidney wanting to bed me. <laughs> and I said, no, we have texts and witnesses to that. And that's how she became a woman scorned. Burns said later, claiming that Powell was in love with him and sent him love letters. Yeah. He said, I haven't spoken a word to Sydney since April 6th, and I never will again. So there's much more, of course, as Wood now seems to be turning on, on all of his Stop the Steal pals, and they all seem to be turning on each other. It's so sad. Sad. <laughs> but as it turns out, Powell's alleged grifting of millions of dollars is not just of interest to her fellow grifters like Byrne and Wood. Apparently, the Department of Justice now has a few concerns about all of this as well. According to Washington Post, on Wednesday, federal prosecutors have demanded the financial records of multiple fundraising organizations launched by attorney Sidney Powell after the 2020 election. As part of a criminal investigation, that according to a subpoena reviewed by The Washington Post, the grand jury subpoena was issued in September by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. It sought communications and other records related to fundraising and accounting by groups, including Defend the Republic. That's Sidney Powell's Texas based supposedly nonprofit organization and a political action committee by the same name, according to the documents, and a person familiar with the investigation who spoke on the condition of anonymity to share details of the probe. As part of the investigation, prosecutors are seeking records going back to November 1, 2020. And by the way, I suspect those prosecutors are very interested in those phone calls that L. Lynn Wood has been posting. Very helpful. Yes. And I suspect if Patrick Byrne has not received a subpoena already, someone's going to be coming knocking on his door soon for, hey, you say you got texts from Sidney Powell? The subpoena that was reviewed by the Post was signed by an assistant U.S. attorney who is also handling politically charged matters to the January 6th attack on the Capitol, including contempt of Congress charges brought against former Trump advisor Steve Bannon for refusing to testify in front of the House committee that's investigating Trump's uh, the Trump incited attack on the U.S. Capitol uh, in an email, an attorney for Defending the Republic said, quote, we have always known the more effective we are, the more the false attacks will int intensify. Defending the Republic has and will continue to fight for we the people who make this country work. Powell herself did not respond to a phone call and emailed questions about the groups from The Washington Post, the Federal investigation highlights the intensifying legal quandaries facing Trump-allied attorneys and other figures who promoted false claims that the election was rigged. Earlier this year, defending the republic was fined by Florida authorities, and I, which I didn't realize, and named in a federal defamation lawsuit, which I did realize, uh, filed by Dominion Voting Systems. The Denver-based company uh, portrayed Powell as part of a plot to steal the 2020 election. The Post then walks through the creation of Powell's apparent 
defending the Republic fundraising scam, citing some of the same points that were referenced during that crazy call between Lynn Wood and Patrick Byrne. And then today, via The Guardian, things got still worse, it seems, for Powell, as we learned more details on other attorneys who are now claiming, and, and frankly, by the way, I'm agnostic on whether they should be believed or not here, but claiming, in addition to putting Lynn Wood's name onto one of those so-called Kraken lawsuits claiming a massive election fraud by Democrats and Dominion and China and dead Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, all of which, all of those suits were summarily tossed by courts and uh, have begun now to result in huge sanctions against the attorneys that, uh, you know, th that he that were fraudulent, fraudulently filed about, you know, fraudulent claims of election fraud. Now, other attorneys other than Lynn Wood are also claiming that they, too, were added to the lawsuits by Powell without their permission. A handful of Republican lawyers involved with litigation around the 2020 election have claimed that Trump diehard Sidney Powell added their names to her clownish election lawsuits without their permission or inflated their involvement in the big lie cause. Uh, a lawyer for enthusiastic conspiracy theorist Lynn Wood, as TPM describes him today, uh, who was named in Powell's infamous Michigan lawsuit, insisted in an interview with The Guardian this week that his client did not draft the complaint and did not sign it. He, quote, did not authorize anyone to put his name on it, said Wood's lawyer, according to The Guardian. As The Guardian notes, Wood is now just one of several lawyers who have distanced themselves from Powell's sideshow, saying that they were not involved. Derek Van Orden a failed GOP congressional candidate who was named in Powell's election suit in Wisconsin. He claimed via Twitter that he did not know his name was on the lawsuit and only found out through social media. On top of that, some of the lawyers who had given Powell permission to name them in her suits are now claiming that she overinflated the extent of their involvement. <laughs> sure, you can put her name on it, but... Well, now, now that it's been thrown out, now that we're being sanctioned for it, well, we didn't have that much to do with it. It sucks when the chickens come home to roost. Emily Newman and Gregory Roll, two attorneys who are now facing sanctions over the Dead and Michigan lawsuit, insisted to the judge that they barely had a role in the litigation. Powell had used the other lawyers' names to hype her lawsuit and boost fundraising efforts to defending the republic which she claimed had a, uh, a team of top-notch attorneys who would, quote, protect the integrity of elections in the United States. And, in fact, all of this has very serious consequences, in fact, for these attorneys, who, by the way, I, I do not feel sorry for in the least, because somehow they let themselves be used here. And after the suits were filed... Certainly, even if they didn't know she was going to add their names, certainly after they filed the suit, they could have moved to have their names removed from the suits. But they didn't, did they? I mean, if they really didn't want to have them there instead of waiting until later when they're facing sanctions for them. Uh, and it is beginning to get very costly for several of them while we were gone over uh, Thanksgiving 
as CNN reported, two lawyers who went to court to claim voter fraud after the 2020 election must pay nearly $180,000 to the defendants they sued. Uh, this was a federal ordered by a federal magistrate judge last week saying the lawsuit aimed to, quote, manipulate gullible members of the public and foment public unrest, unquote. The order from Magistrate Judge N. Reed Neurider of the U.S. District Court in Colorado, according to CNN, adds to the federal judiciary's condemnations of attempts by attorneys supporting then-President Donald Trump to use the courts to vet right-wing conspiracies in the days after the presidential election, using the courts to vet the conspiracies. They didn't vet them themselves. They took these affidavits and said, well, look, judge, here's an affidavit. This, you know, got to take this seriously. And they're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to actually investigate them before they bring them to Correct. the court. Uh, so now attorneys uh, Gary Fielder and Ernest John Walker are going to have to pay fees of $50,000 to Facebook. I mean, Meta, $63,000 to Dominion Voting Systems, $63,000 to the Nonprofit Center for Tech and Civic Life, more than $6,000 to the state of Pennsylvania, nearly $5,000 to the state of Michigan. The judge wrote in his order they need to take responsibility for their misconduct, adding that the lawsuit defamed those defendants. He continued, I believe that rather than a legitimate use of the legal system to seek redress for redressable grievances, this lawsuit has been used to manipulate gullible members of the public and foment public unrest. To that extent, this lawsuit has been an abuse of the legal system and an interference with the machinery of government. For all these reasons, I feel that a significant sanctions award is merited. That is the judge in Colorado now echoing the judge up in Michigan some weeks ago, finding the exact same thing against these cretins, against these lawyers who all should be disbarred, and hopefully they will be. This particular lawsuit, the one in Colorado from late December, was an attempt. You may may or may not remind it, remember it. Remember, there was like 60 of them. Uh, this one would have uh, created a class action challenge to the election on behalf of American voters. We would all be a part of that class. Uh, it included eight named plaintiffs. Noor, Judge Noorwriter uh, previously wrote a scathing 68-page opinion condemning that suit. The plaintiffs uh, had no, no lawyers or experts who were able to support any of the claims of switched votes and government conspiracies, the judge noted, calling the lawsuit itself, quote, one enormous conspiracy theory. Noorwriter's earlier ruling was the first major consequence in federal court to befall lawyers and litigants who pushed Trump's attempt to undermine the 2020 election result in court. I'm sure what CNN meant to say there was Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election in court. Other courts, they note, are still considering penalties for other lawyers uh, involved in the failed pro-Trump lawsuits. And I hope, frankly, that they amount to much more than one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. I mean, to you and I, that might be a lot of money, but for two separate attorneys, well, that ain't all that much money for many attorneys, to be frank. Uh, in August, a federal judge in Michigan sanctioned pro-Trump attorneys uh, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, 
they note, as well as several other attorneys ordering them to reimburse the attorney's fees that the city of Detroit and Michigan state officials paid in seeking the sanctions. The judge said the lawyers who worked on Trump-aligned lawsuits seeking to challenge election results had, quote, engaged in litigation practices that were abusive and in turn sanctionable. So uh, as we started the year, you may recall calling for accountability for these attorneys, for these Trump attorneys, for the attorneys that filed these lawsuits who, who all played along with this nonsense. Well, good news. We're now finally beginning to see some of this accountability. And at the same time, as it's happening, even better, they're all turning on each other. <laughs> Suffice to say, it's all nuts. It's all insane, and it's delicious, and now perhaps criminal. And, of course, it is delightful to see them all beginning to implode and, and, and turn on each other, just as Rachel Maddow, who didn't actually cover all of this stuff, particularly the Powell uh, alleged, allegedly wanting to bed Patrick Byrne part, you, you, your favorite you. part. <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's great to watch. And it's, you know, popcorn time and all of that, as she conceded, before she then went on to give herself permission to cover this, uh, you know, turning on each other. Not only because it was fun and popcorn time, but because, you know, as she spent some time arguing, it could all lead to something very, very dark. But her report, frankly, was even before the Post broke the news about the criminal investigation of Powell or the additional allegations from these other attorneys that were just published by The Guardian. None of which really is particularly dark, but it is particularly fun. And after warning about it several times that it could this could turn dark. Rachel never actually got to anything dark at all. <laughs> she covered it because it was fun to cover. But she kind of added a veneer of seriousness to it to justify the fact that, well, it's just, you know, really kind of fun to watch. And, hey, I think we all deserve a bit of that, uh, in my own opinion. So you don't have to apologize for it, I don't think. Now, to that end, there is a separate but related-ish element to all of this. As actual wingnut, right-wing elected grifter members of Congress are now also beginning to turn on each other and implode on themselves. And yes, that is fun to watch as well. And, I, and, and though we couldn't fit it in, I wanted to get to it on yesterday's show. I had planned to cover it then, but only because it was fun and, and popcorn time. And I thought, frankly, with everything else going on, that actually is dark. We could all use a bit of unapologetic schadenfreude. But between that time and now these other parts of this story in the hours that followed it, this part actually has become kind of dark. This element of the ongoing wingnut implosion is a little bit scary, to be frank even though it starts out fun. So let's take a quick break here and we will get to both the fun part of it and the dark part of it next. So you can go pop your popcorn now and watch out for the self-reproducing robot frogs until we return for that. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey. 
Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. They are. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And, you know, I, I, I frankly, I would not normally even cover this uh, sort of nonsense and idiocy. But as I noted in the previous segment, we had a very dark show yesterday. So I think we could all use a little something to laugh about. And after all, this is now reported by The New York Times. So it must be real news, right? <laughs> Plus, I admit it's fun to watch the Republicans blow themselves up, so who am I to get in their way? Uh, As the New York Times reports, hostilities between the Republican far right and its typically muted center in Congress burst into the open on Tuesday, highlighting deep divisions that could bedevil the party's leaders if they capture a narrow majority in the House next year. Initially prompted by the anti-Muslim comments of Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, the Republican on Republican war, says the Times, on Tuesday was remarkably bitter and an indication of of a brewing power struggle between an ascendant faction that styles itself after President Donald Trump and a quieter one that is pushing back. Sort of pushing back. First... Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia called her freshman colleague, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, quote, trash for condemning Boebert's remarks in a television interview. Specifically, here was Marjorie Taylor Greene's full tweet. Uh, She wrote, quote, Nancy Mace is the trash in the GOP conference, never attacked by Democrats or rhinos. Same thing, she says, because she is not conservative. She's pro-abort. Mace, you can back off of Lauren Boebert or just go hang with your real gal pals, the Jihad Squad. You're out of your league. Now, mind you, she misspelled your, so (laughs) as they do. But this is one Republican congresswoman, sitting Republican congresswoman, going against another sitting Republican congresswoman. Uh, Mace then uh, responded with a series of emojis, as as New York Times describes it, a bat, a pile of excrement, and a crazy clown. You can add that up together in order to describe Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is the Times reporting, not me. So, you know, Uh, specifically, Mace retweeted Greene's tweet and then added to the top of it, quote, this is what bat poop crazy clown looks like. And then Mace kept up a steady stream of social media attacks, calling Greene a liar, a grifter and a nut. Now, uh, the not insane Republican congressman from Illinois, Adam Kinzinger, came to Mace's defense here, called Green, quote, unserious circus barker McSpace laser. 
<laughs> These are Congress people. So this is news, right? There's a reference, of course, to, uh, as the Times notes, a social media post that Green once circulated suggesting that wildfires in California had been started by lasers owned by the Rothschilds, which is a Jewish banking family. An old trope, an old, old anti-Semitic yeah. trope. Uh, Kinzinger added that uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, the Republican leader and would-be speaker who has done nothing to discipline the rank and file members of his conference for bigoted and violent statements, quote, continues his silent streak that would make a monk blush. So now Kinziger is attacking the Republican leader. You know, if they just put this all on TV, they'd have the Real Housewives of Congress. It would be a great show. It would be fantastic. But it's not over yet. Then Representative Matt Gates, of course, <laughs> said, I want a piece of this. Uh, he's an ally of Greens. He uh, he took to Twitter to amplify an attack by the right wing provocateur Jack Posobiec. If you've never heard of him, congratulations. Anyway, he uh, amplified a tweet from Posobiec denouncing Mace as a quote scam artist for promoting coronavirus vaccinations on CNN after appearing on Fox to be against vaccines. And in favor of natural immunity. Here, so here's Mace, and this is true. This is Nancy Mace. Uh, just in case you think she's the sane one here. Here's Mace on Fox suggesting natural immunity is better than vaccinations. Uh, in some studies that I've read, natural immunity gives you 27 times more protection against future COVID infection than a vaccination. And so we need to take all of the science into account and not selectively choosing what science to follow when we are making policy decisions. Mm -hmm. OK, and then here she is, I think, just a few hours later, apparently, you know, apparently not long after it's on the same day on CNN. After saying, uh, you know, natural immunity is better than vaccines, here she is on CNN promoting vaccines. And I, I've been a proponent of vaccinations and, and wearing masks when we need to. When we had the Delta variant raging in South Carolina, I wrote an op-ed to my community. And I've worked with our State Department of Health. I've run ads encouraging uh, my district to go and get vaccinated. And when we have these variants and we have these spikes to take every precaution from washing our hands to wearing the N95 or KN95 mm -hmm. masks uh, more than the medical masks, there is a significant, statistically significant uh, number of people that are protected from COVID when they wear those masks. Hmm, but Nancy Mace was saying that on CNN. She did not go on Fox and talk about the importance of wearing masks and taking vaccines and how long she's been such a great supporter. See how this works. Uh, back to the New York Times here. The carnival-like behavior would amount to little more than a sideshow if it did not have real implications for midterm campaigns and possibly a fractured Republican majority in 2023. Now, I'll explain in a second why it actually has real-world implications uh, above and beyond the political ones here for, you know, the Republican majority. Uh, but they go on to write, party leaders again chose to remain mum as their backbenchers brawled and Democrats took full advantage of the spectacle. Congressman Steny Hoyer of Maryland, the Democratic majority leader, told reporters, and actually, I'm not a fan of Hoyer's, but I'm going to give him some credit here because he told reporters, quote, the atmosphere is what it has been and what has been created by the Republican Party over the last 50 years, where they have continued to move down the path of divisiveness, of acrimony, of threats and accusations, which have demeaned the politics of America. So 
Hoyer gets credit there. He should, yes. Yeah, for not that is true. And for well, for not calling this something that was oh caused by Trump and uh, or the recent you know b- turn off the tracks by the GOP. But in fact, yes, this is where they have been heading for the past fifty years. He is correct. We have been warning about this. Well, not for fifty years, for for about almost twenty at this point. So thank you for noticing, Mister Hoyer. If 40 or 50 years too late. But anyway, we'll take what we can get. He uh, Hoyer called on Republican leaders to discipline their members, referring to the episode that touched off the hostilities. Public comments by Congresswoman Boebert, in which she suggested that Congresswoman Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, Democrat of Minnesota and a Muslim, could be a suicide bomber and called her a member of the Jihad Squad. So Michael Steele, a former spokesperson for John Boehner of Ohio, the former Republican speaker, said that the party's leaders should be working behind the scenes to calm dissent. He said the top priority should now be for everyone in the canoe to have their rifles pointed outward, not at each other. He says that means keeping all the frogs in the wheelbarrow. Oh, I hope they're not robot frogs. (laughs) Uh, even if some of those frogs, he said, are pretty ugly. Instead, as the time notes, Republicans are stepping on their own message. On Tuesday, CNN unearthed another video of Boebert from September when she uh, turned to when she said she claimed she lied that she turned to Omar in an elevator and referred to the, quote, jihad squad and said, well, she doesn't have a backpack. So I guess we're safe. That's what. Bobert claimed, again, insinuating that uh, Omar could be a suicide bomber. Omar, for her part, has said no such confrontation has occurred during a call initiated by Bobert at the beginning of the week, ostensibly to offer contrition for her comments. Apparently, the uh, for for Bobert's comments, apparently the situation devolved even further. Bobert refused to apologize, instead demanded that Omar publicly ask forgiveness for anti-American comments. Democrats were not the only ones who condemned Boebert's behavior. In fact, Nancy Mace, who for some reason, because they just can't help themselves, apparently, is described by the Times as a highly regarded newcomer. Really? She appeared on CNN to say, I have time after time condemned my colleagues on both sides of the aisle for racist tropes and remarks that I find disgusting. Ah, it's the both sides again. Yes. Uh, Green who, like Boebert, is a favorite of Trump's, criticized Mace on social media and on Steve Bannon's broadcast, The War Room, and condemned Republican leaders. They are eating themselves alive. They're always all over us whenever we say or do anything, but it's the Nancy Maces that should be called out, Green told Bannon. These are members of Congress. These are not the mean girls in your high school. Uh, She then added that she, not Mace, represented the Republican base. That comment was seconded by others on the far right, including Congressman Paul Gosar, who wanted to get in on this from Arizona. He uh, recently was removed, you'll recall, by the House from his committee assignments after posting a video showing him killing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with a sword and threatening to do the same to President Biden. Now, all of this uh, is because, as Hoyer notes, that uh, McCarthy 
finds himself in a delicate position. He does not know how large a majority that his party might win next November, and he really, really wants to be Speaker of the House. And if he's got a small majority next year, well, he's going to need the votes of these crazy people so he does not want to alienate them now. The the, uh, the Times notes that the far right, these same sort of people, brought down John Boehner in 2015 and Republican divisions over the prospects of McCarthy's speakership sunk McCarthy's last attempt to run for the post after uh, Boehner stepped down. A handful of members, including Green, have been cool to the idea, which is putting it nicely, of granting McCarthy the gavel should his party claim the majority. So that's the political part that uh, The New York Times focuses on. But here is where the story actually does turn a bit darker. And while it's fun to watch the implosions here on the right, uh, this one really does have dangerous potential consequences that should not be ignored, to be frank. Dark consequences. After Boebert's failed so-called apology to Elon Omar, the Minnesota congresswoman, she held a press conference, Omar did, to explain to the public the real consequences of what is happening here. I'm going to play you a voicemail that we received hours after I got off the phone with Representative Boebert after she posted her video. We see you, Muslim bitch. We know what you're up to. You're all about taking over the country. Don't worry, there's plenty that will love the opportunity to take you off the face of the earth. Come get it, bitch, you Muslim piece of you jihadist. We know what you are. You're a traitor. You will not live much longer, bitch. I can almost guarantee you that either people are rising up and you will be tried for a military tribunal and you will be found guilty. For those of you who did not hear it very well, let me read you what the voicemail says. We see you, sand n-word bitch. We know what you are up to. You are all about taking over our country. Don't worry. There is plenty that would love the opportunity to take you off the face of this effing earth. Come get it. But you are effing Muslim piece of You are jihadist. We know what you are. You are effing traitor and you will not live any longer. Condemning this should not be a partisan issue. This is about our basic humanity and fundamental rights of religious freedom enshrined in our constitution. Yeah, she is of course correct. Uh, that was Ilhan Omar uh, talking about the consequences of this attack by Bobert, describing her as a terrorist, a member of the Jihad Squad and so forth. But more pathetically here uh, is the fact that 
Republican congressional leadership seems unable or actually just unwilling to do anything about it. On Wednesday, Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez accurately accused House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of tolerating violent threats against women of color in Congress because of his political ambitions. The New York Democrat referred to the to uh, House Republicans in a retweet that included that press conference from Omar. Uh, she described the House Republicans as, quote, Ku Klux Klan caucus suggesting that McCarthy tolerates bigotry among GOP members because he wants to be House Speaker. People don't under, truly don't understand the scale, intensity, and volume of threats targeting Ilhan Omar, Ocasio-Cortez said, adding Kevin McCarthy is so desperate to be Speaker that he is working with his Ku Klux Klan caucus to look aside and allow violent targeting of women of color, members of Congress. This cannot be ignored. She added, while people toss out cliches like we condemn all forms of racism and bigotry, the fact is Islamophobia is far too often tolerated and ignored. Bigotry is not made unacceptable by what by what one says about it. It's made acceptable based on whether there are consequences for it or not. Ocasio-Cortez said that the GOP has been given, quote, freedom to incite without consequences. They don't have to pay for the security required for their acts. We do, she said. They make money off of it, she said, adding that Republicans target, quote, those least likely to be institutionally protected first. At her uh, presser, Omar went on to say, quote, to date, the Republican Party leadership has done nothing to condemn and hold their own members accountable for repeated instances of anti-Muslim hate and harassment. This is not about one hateful statement or politician, she said. It is about a party that has mainstreamed bigotry and hatred. It is time for Republican leader McCarthy to actually hold his party accountable. And do you suppose that's going to happen? Well, not as long as McCarthy believes that he needs to hold on to the uh, bigotry and hatred caucus to someday become Speaker of the House. Try not to choke on that popcorn. Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. Okay, are we all feeling a little bit better now after <laughs> yesterday's show? A little bit, little bit better today. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are you gonna keep us feeling better? In I'm gonna try, but uh, hey, we're running late, so no dilly dallying. All right, let's get to it. Our latest green news report. Well, breathe a sigh of relief. Today marks the end of hurricane season. It's finally over, but it was a costly record breaker. The U.S. is the world's biggest contributor to plastic pollution. Plus, nature has given us a second chance. A ray of sunshine for monarch butterflies. I'll take it. All of those stories and more 
Straight Ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Today, the 2021 hurricane season is officially over. Good. But it's not as if we can relax. Oh, shut up. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm sure you've got nothing but good news for us today. I could use some. (laughs) Well, some good news. The 2021 Atlantic hurricane season officially ended on November 30th. There's that. Yes, although it got really quiet in the last two months, 2021 generated 21 named storms. That's the third highest on record, with seven hurricanes, four reaching Category 3 or stronger, and that's about average. But for the second year in a row, we exhausted the entire list of storm names. And we exhausted me. True. Meteorologist Jeff Masters reports that over the last two years, the U.S. saw an unprecedented 19 hurricane landfalls. Category 4 Hurricane Ida in August was the strongest to hit the U.S. this year, leaving a trail of destruction from Louisiana to the northeast, causing 96 deaths and $65 billion in damages. Other than that, why should we worry about it? It ranked as the fifth costliest weather disaster in world history, according to NOAA. 2021 was more expensive than last year's historic season. In 2020, more hurricanes made landfall in the U.S., but this year, the storms cost over $20 billion more. Boy, we sure do spend a lot of money cleaning up after climate change. In other news, the U.S. is the world's biggest contributor in generating plastic waste in the environment. We're number one. That's according to a new report released by the National Academies of Science. We're responsible for about one-fourth of global plastic waste released into the environment every year. That's about two million tons. The report found U.S. recycling infrastructure is unable to keep up with the huge growth in U.S. plastic production and blames litter dumping, and inefficient landfills. The Biden EPA recently released a new national recycling strategy. That's a long-awaited master plan that focuses on steps to achieve a 50% recycling rate by 2030. That's it? Just 50%? That's as good as they could do. But some good-ish news. Axios reports that a new analysis by the International Energy Agency finds that renewable energy is surging around the globe and set a record this year, leading the IEA to significantly increase its growth forecast for renewable power in coming years, with China the main driver of renewable growth. Meaning more renewable energy happening in China than anywhere else in the, in the world? Yes. Go figure. Someone let them know over at Fox News, will you? However, the report does warn that the rate of renewable energy deployment is still too slow and must nearly double to reach net zero global emissions by 2050. International Energy Agency Executive Director Fatih Birol at an energy conference this week blamed energy producers as a key reason for soaring natural gas and power prices in Europe and not the transition to a greener economy. And not Joe Biden's fault? (laughs) Nope. Birol said demand growth and supply outages are big factors, but also, quote, some of the deliberate policies of energy producers. Now, he didn't name those energy producers, but Bloomberg News suggests 
suggests he may have been referring to OPEC and Russia, which have declined to increase oil and gas production, and Belarus, which has threatened to shut off a pipeline carrying Russian gas to the European Union. Some more good news. Purdue University researchers say they've made a major breakthrough in electric car charging. Researchers funded by Ford Motor Company have invented a cable that they say can charge a vehicle in under five minutes using an innovative liquid and vapor cooling system that allows the charger to accommodate a much higher current. That is so cool. It somehow cools the current so you could charge a lot faster. We're talking about electric cars that could be charged in five minutes just as long as it takes to fill up with a tank of gas. Yes. That's huge. Now, it's still in the prototype stage, but it is a very promising step. Good. Finally, monarch butterflies in the U.S. West, once numbered in the millions in the 1980s, but have plunged some 99%, dropping to a record low of just 2,000 individuals last year on their annual migration through California. Experts blame pesticides, habitat destruction, and climate change for the decline, but But there is a ray of hope. This year, more than 100,000 monarchs have been counted so far. Now, scientists aren't quite sure what's behind this increase, but it is very good news. See? Everything's fine. (laughs) For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, man. That's a terrible song. Isn't that a terrible song? (laughs) Very nice, though. Uh, Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks (laughs) all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated if you missed any portion of today's program or any other. You can download all of them for free at bradblog.com. My thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate or just go to bradblog, hit one of the donate buttons. Uh, It is greatly appreciated. You are the only ones who keep us on the air and, frankly, keep the butterflies free. (laughs) You can drop me email if you want. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck.